0: hey guys happy saturday i got to talk music today with a very very special guest and i cannot wait for you to hear it welcome to episode number four of the laney train Before I introduce this week's guest, I just wanna talk about the changes that are happening in Indiana right now. If you guys live here, you may be as excited as I am. We just found out yesterday that things will slowly be opening back up again. Governor Holcomb has a five-step plan. I love that man. I love our state government. I hope that they keep doing as well as they've been doing. I hope that all of you are doing as well as you can possibly be right now. And though this has been a very difficult time, I know that there are better days ahead. But an upside of this is that there won't be many more questions centered around the quarantine on this podcast, at least. I have pre-recorded two more interviews so the next two weeks will still be kind of based around quarantine and the stay at home order. But after that, things will be changing. I know that Monday things are going to start changing already. It's going to be a slow shift, but it's a shift nonetheless. So that is something to get excited about. Now I'm going to tell you about this week's guest. I grew up going to her concerts. I have heard her music growing up. She is a bit of a local celebrity, and she's also just so, so sweet to talk to. This week, I got to interview Jenny DeVoe, and it was an absolute blast. Let's
1: hear it. Hello? Jenny, how are you? Hi, lady. I'm
0: fine. how are you? I'm good the weather's really beautiful today so I'm in a good mood I'm gonna go ahead and intro you you're described as an independent singer songwriter with soul roots americana blues hippie funk vibe <laughs> like I, I like love it that. <laughs> yeah that's a that's a whole lot of vibes i I totally understand all of those <laughs> Exactly uh, Yeah And you're signed to Reuben the Cat Music Record label And you're By a lot of articles There's so many Good ones about you You're described as One of the best voices In music today One of those rare artists Who writes all of her own stuff You're humble and kind And your bluesy Powerhouse voice Will literally knock Anyone's socks off But you also do voiceovers <laughs> For Reese Nichols Jewelers In Indianapolis Which I love hearing Those commercials And knowing that That's your voice That <laughs> but- is nice <laughs> yeah, I remember when you started doing them or when I first heard one and I got so excited. I was very, very young because I think you've been doing that for sort of a while, right?
1: Yeah, well, actually, and before them, see, I kind of do them for people all over the nation. And I, the first real big gig I got was doing all the Meyer Superstore stuff. I did them for five years. So, I sang all their jingles, and then and it was like a different song. They were like mini songs, not just like uh, jingles. But then I started doing all their voiceovers, too. So I had a real good uh, jumping off point. I was working at a music studio, you know, after college. and it was, you know, by design. I mean, i had I had sought out these guys who were great musicians themselves, and they had opened up a music studio, so they were working with all the ad agencies. And in my head, Even though it's not what I went to college for, I just thought, you know, I mean, it's almost like I couldn't stop myself. I I did go to school thinking, oh, you know, get that out of your head. That's just such a ridiculous thing to think you could do music for a living so it's kind of sneaky you know I kind of went out it sideways I kind of snuck in the back door <laughs> and I people go into the music studio and um, then while I was there I kept kind of bugging the guys and saying hey you know I can I can sing I can sing And they're like well that's fine you know we need a we need a secretary so you know just be a secretary but little by little um, I started singing and doing voiceovers there and then one of their big clients was the Meyer Superstore ad agency guy and uh, he and his team came down from Grand Rapids one day and I had been demoing all of the new jingles for this big campaign and I ended up getting a real contract so it was for me you know it was kind of like having a, a record deal it really really was I had I had been singing and writing already by myself but it was like that was just really validating to have somebody say hey you know what we like your voice well enough to sign you up so I did that for five years then I started doing lots of different voiceovers I couldn't compete with them like I had to do a non-compete contract that I wouldn't for those five years do any kind of recording for any of their competitors but before that and then after that contract you know I was actually during that contract I was allowed to do stuff for other people and then I started doing stuff like you know Reese Nichols and then I do um, I mean I've done stuff from Subway to uh, you know Subway sandwiches to Red Gold Tomatoes to Royal Caribbean cruise lines, just all kinds of different things. It's fun. And that was an accident. That was just by sitting there and, and realizing that I could do that and kind of be an actress with my voice.
0: I had no idea that you had done all of those brands. And I mean, you have <laughs> that great talking voice, which is so cool. <laughs> so you're from Muncie. Is that right?
1: Yes, I'm from Muncie originally. And, and you, I, um,
0: you went to Ball State. What did you go to Ball State for?
1: Oh, gosh, let's see. I graduated in 92. And I graduated with a degree in telecommunications, with a minor concentrated in uh, counseling psych. And I just loved the classes in that. It was, um, you know, concentrated in drug and alcohol counseling. So I did an internship in that, as well as an internship in uh, communication. And in, you know, in kind of a weird, um, a weird way, I guess I kind of used those things with with songwriting and it, it was just interest. and I would say I really loved my minor concentration even more than my a communications degree. I just I just did that because, you know, I wanted to get a degree. I wanted to make sure I did that, especially for my parents.
0: Gotcha. So that kind of spurs our next question, but how did you get into music then? You, it sounded like you wanted to do that before college too, but how did that start?
1: Yeah, I did. You know, my mom was a Church choir director, and I grew up in a pretty, you know, walk the line type of religious atmosphere with very serious Lutheran. Um, have you ever heard of the um, Prairie Home Companion with Garrison Keillor? Remember that um, great old-timey radio show? They always talked about uh, the Lutherans in Minnesota, and it's because I feel like the Lutherans in my little town. All had like really great sense of humor, but it was also strict at the same time. So, in a in a you know, it was kind of conflicted. Like I was pretty wild, um, off the chain uh, type of kid, and then also a young adult, just kind of just trying to be serious about anything. But um, the one thing that I really did like was when we had to go to church. Uh, singing was something that was just like an innate thing for me. Like, from the time, really, I was in elementary school um, to, like, children's choir, junior high choir. I think I thought I was too cool for school and high school to do choir, but I wasn't too cool for school. I just didn't do it. I was just kind of, I think, probably just too wild at that point. But, so, in church, in school, I just, you know, music, I just loved. My mom did direct the children's choir group at church, so I kind of feel like, uh, and then I took piano when I was, like, maybe not ten, and eleven. And I remember I just I just told my husband the other day, I wonder where very first piece of music that I scored, which I didn't do often, even with my stuff now, it's like I don't score anything, but I think I fancied myself like,, a, you know, I'm gonna like be a composer. So I, you know, was taking piano, so I knew what the notes were, but I, I wrote an original piece. I have no idea where it is, but I remember it being pretty moody and dark for a kid. It was like very somber. It was very like Godfather-ish, like music from the Godfather. So that exists somewhere, but I put my name on it as the composer and arranger, and I um, uh, don't know where that is. I'm going to look in the piano bench next time I at my mom and dad's. but I just thought about that. Just in the last couple of days, knowing I was gonna talk to you.
0: <laughs> That's so funny too. I love that you remember that. I wanna know what it's called, if you ever find it. Was there a title oh my to gosh. it?
1: Oh my gosh, there probably was a title to it because I was very overly dramatic, very overly sensitive and overly dramatic as a kid. You know, I took ballet and ballet is a very like emotive type of art. And even when I was really young taking ballet, which I, I took that from the time I was really, really little, I took that too seriously. <laughs> so and I was not, I was not um, really cut out to be a ballerina. But when I did it, I certainly was very serious about it hilariously serious for my abilities and I can look back at it and remember just doing the wrong moves like we did like a great big recital at a, at a concert place on Ball State campus when we were little, you know, maybe about seven years old, eight years old, and we got to be on the big stage at Emma's Auditorium. And I remember messing up, and all the other little girls, I think we were doing the netcracker, all the other little sugar plum fairies, were in one position. And I was in another position. But I remember, this is like, I guess my stubborn streak or my strong will, looking at them and thinking, you guys are all wrong. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Like, you guys are wrong. I'm right. I'm holding my position, and I did. I had my arms up. They all had theirs down, and I'm sure people were giggling, but I was determined that they had all of them were wrong.
0: I always like to know, especially from people in music, even though I don't get to talk to them very often, um, what is your favorite song right now? And why? What do you like about it? And is that the same as your favorite song to cover in a performance?
1: Gosh, no. I mean, I feel like I have just... I feel like there are so many songs out there past and present and always coming at me in the future. Like, for instance, one of the stations we like to listen to in the morning is the high school station, the Carmel Kid high school station because there's so much new stuff on there. So I'm always scanning just for new sounds, I love to hear what People are inventing now. Like um, I listen to Canadian radio, French radio. Um, I listen to the old 40s station. So I've got my satellite satellite radio and I don't stay on the station like too awfully long. I will listen to older stuff that never was even in my era. You know what I mean? Like I like going all the way back to places that weren't part of my upbringing because I love discovering what people used to do and then I mean way back like 30s and 40s and stuff like that my dad was a big music guy and he really influenced a lot of I think the things that make me like the things I like now maybe it's a nostalgic warm place that makes me want to listen to Louis Armstrong and Louis Prima and Billie Holiday and uh, all these people but it is Coming through in my writing, too, I know on my last record, I definitely had some um, old throwback stuff. And and even on my Strange Sunshine record, I have some things that, you know, I I just gravitate toward old-fashioned melodies. And so bringing that current is, you know, when Amy Winehouse started really doing that kind of stuff, I was like, oh, this is just beautiful. I mean, I love that she modernized and did such angsty stuff with really old-fashioned approaches. So, you know, I know all that stuff sounded new and fresh, but really, she was a huge fan of the old kind of stuff that I'm a huge fan of. So people that I love right now, gosh, songs I like to cover. I have, you should see the lists that I keep. It's almost like a problem, (laughs) Lainey. I have a list of things that I like because maybe I love a guitar sound or a guitar riff or the way they landed in beat and the rhythm. really love JD McPherson. He does a, a lot of really, really cool stuff. His band is so fantastic. And my band got to open for him last summer. And I, I don't always, if we get it open for anybody, you know, famous or semi-famous or just, you know, bigger acts than ourselves. If we open for them, a lot of times we don't get to stay and watch, but I just, I think for their whole show. His entire band is so locked into one another. They've got grooves down, deep pockets, great retro sound. So, you know, she's an artist I love, and I guess I would say I like him thinking in the way he writes because it's sort of that throwback writing, but it's still modern. So I don't have a specific song like to come round about all the way back to your question. <laughs> there's not an exact song that I love, but the voices that I love right now are um, the guy that sings lead for Kaleo. There's a song called Way Down. Love that. Uh, there's a band, I don't know if they're... From Canada, I'm not quite sure where they're from, but the band is called Grandson. They have a fantastic song called "Apologize." That is a pretty young sounding band, but they're just killing it. I love it. I like Lewis Capaldi's voice, just so 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 much. And I like a lot of the real obvious people too. I mean, I love when artists are just timeless and they're here to stay. Like I love Michael Buble. I think he's fantastic. Oh, I love, love Harry him, Junior. Yeah, I mean those. You know, one of my favorite soundtracks ever is the ones from When Harry Met Sally. And and Harry Connick Jr. did all the songs, but they're all old songs, old-timey songs. And I can put that record on and just keep, get completely lost in that anytime. But my, I don't have any one particular person or artist that I follow. I really am just always kind of searching and scanning. It's almost like I can't believe there's all this great music out there and it's like candy it's like so much you don't quite know how to fit it all in and it makes it it makes it sort of a problem when I there are a lot of things I'd really love to cover but I might get really enamored with an artist and then and a song but it might not be right for me to cover so it's kind of a forever uh, battle it's like ah, I have to be objective if I'm going to cover somebody because I don't do that many covers in my shows. I would say the most covers I've done ever were because of the stay at home thing that we're all doing right now. I did my own FaceTime live two Saturdays ago and it was so fun that I was so scared because it was just me playing guitar so it was scary but it was great and it's still out there and we got a lot of traffic and it was wonderful but I did like up. I did do cover songs. I did a Patty Griffin song. I actually did two Patty Griffin songs. Oh, she's one of my favorite voices and writers, by the way. She'll be around forever. She's that good. I love her. But um, I did Let Him Fly and Up to the Mountain her. And then I did a Bob Dylan song, You're Gonna Make Me love to Let Me Go. And I uh, did a Withers song, um, because he just passed away. He was one of my favorite voices and writers. I uh, did this song, Grandma's Hand. And then I did a John Prine song in tribute to John Prine. I did Angel from Montgomery. It, it was fun. I mean, I just, I had fun. And I did some of my own songs. But I'm gonna do it again and just pick a new batch of songs. I, I didn't really know those songs all that well, but I learned them and made charts for myself. And I would send texts to my guitar player because everybody's trying to be so good and stay far from each other. So I'd say, what's the chart for this? And then I'd write it down and try to figure it out.
0: I love that. And what you said about just so much music and not being able to fit it all in. When I was on campus, I had that radio show and I only had an hour and a half and it was like trying to pack that music that i discovered that past week into an hour and a half was so frustrating and so fun it
1: is it's is, It's frustrating it's like trying to pack for a vacation it's like oh my gosh but what if i need this one oh my gosh everybody's gonna need this oh you want people it's funny because i think real music lovers just can't wait to share certain things it's like oh when i hear a new song i want to share it with somebody and go listen to that voice like and, and then I like dissecting it and going, you know why that works. Even if somebody's like doing an imperfect take on something, it's like I'm all about getting drawn into a song. But sometimes it's just a fun song. And it's like but still there's a why does this work? I love hearing new stuff. I love watching The Voice and watching American Idol, and I love um, watching the newer show, Songland, because I'm a writer, and I think, ah, oh, what a fun thing. I love watching those guys like get to changing and bettering a song right away. I'm probably a little bit more precious about my songs, but I have thought, that might not be a bad idea to go on that show and have a hit song, have somebody do record one of your songs, make you a millionaire. That would not be a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah. i let him change
0: it, yeah Yeah, of course And you also we're talking about songs that you've written And you talked about how you like to draw inspiration from older songs Billie Holiday, I'm a huge fan of her She was big, like, 30s, 40s-ish yeah. And yeah. one song that sort of reminds me of her And this is a much more 60s feel But I've been geeking out for your music, by the way Since you said <laughs> that you would let me interview Yay! you <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yay, well, I'm glad That's what you do I mean, You gotta study with you, And then makes an interview fun, too So thank you Yeah, of course
0: And it, it's fun to be able to reference this But one specific song That I was transported I feel like To the school dance in Greece When I heard You Belong to Me On Radiator yeah, Romeo Don't feel nothing
1: That he. Don't Wanna feel oh, you belong to me to- he yeah yay (laughs) well i loved writing that song i wrote that on piano and then i just recorded myself writing it and you know it's funny on that radiator album i didn't really give my best vocal takes on everything but i feel like the record work so so maybe I did the appropriate vocal takes on them I like to uh, the last three records I did over in England I did with just recording along with the band because when I did fireworks and karate supplies that was one of the things I'd written down and that was one of the reasons I wanted to work with John Parrish because I had read about how he worked with Tracy Chapman and you know I had already made two studio albums that took me forever and my although I'm proud of them I had not felt like I was sure about what my next record would be so I took a chance and got a hold of him and said I read about how you did this record I think I'd like working with you and so I had to talk to his manager first and then they had me send some of my stuff over and then they had me send some more stuff and then he called me one day and said yes we'd like like to, I uh, would like to work with you, <laughs> and um, you know I like your voice, I like your singing, and so I love that. That's a great I accent, by me. the way. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I have a thing, I have a big crush on all the people in England because there's just something about them that makes me feel really cozy and at home. I really liked working with them. Something very peaceful. They have a lot more patience and reserve than at least the guys that I worked with. I had just a great, great patience and just, just a kindness. I don't know. I just loved them. But it felt like, you know, I love the song, You Belong To Me, and I'm really proud of all those records from working with John because, you know, I like that retro sound with new songs and then I'll yeah, probably have more songs like You Belong To Me in my, I've got them already in my arsenal. I've written a whole bunch of new, new stuff and I'm just trying to figure out how to produce them right now. So I've been kind of talking about it for a while and now this whole thing that we're all staying at home doing has been kind of a challenge, but I'm trying to use it for good. Use it for some good, uh, creative things. So we've been putting out. Uh, on Thursday, we'll put out another thing. It's just a it's Angel from Montgomery. My keyboard player played the piano part at his house, and then I sat here and sang with a beer bud in. And then my husband recorded it and then put it back together. So we'll put that out on Thursday. It's just one song. But I've got another song that I did with him, the John Hyatt song. So yeah, I just going to keep little things coming out, Bill. So while everybody's at home and they get bored, they can just go to my fan page, enjoy it and and pass it around and share it. Mm-hmm. Make them happy, Yeah, hopefully.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll have some positivity yeah. right Add now. There.
1: Yeah, just try to keep people from, you know, people, a lot, a lot of people aren't used to being so isolated and at home, so they just need something to entertain them, so... I kind of feel like anybody that does music for a living, even though we do need to make a living now, it, it's also still something that at times we can give away for free. So when you have that, you're, you should do that in times like this. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned your, sort of your production process and who you've worked with. You worked with John Parrish and you have three records out. Is that right?
1: I have, well, honestly, I have my very first record that I did down in Bloomington with a guy named Richard Perko. So I did my first one in 98, 99, and that was called Does She Walk Walk. And that one I got a bunch of national television show placements like uh, Dawson's Creek and Party of Five and was it Party of Five? Yeah, Party of Five. Strange Medicine, Joan of Arcadia. So I had song placements, meaning they licensed bits of my songs just to be background music for the television show. So that was in 1999. Then I did another one in 2002 with Rich Mopurga down there. And I licensed some songs out from that one as well. One was called Ta-da. Okay. So those are my first two studio records. Then I've got a live record after that called Thank You Goodnight. And then I've got three UK records: the three um, Strange Sunshine, Fireworks and Crowley Supplies, and Radiator. And then I have four total live records. So I have about 10 to 12, <laughs> 10 to 12 records actually out under my little label. I licensed one of my records to Sony Music with their red distribution, and that is the Strange Sunshine Records. So that one's been a little bit more more nationally than any of my other records. Everything else has been pretty much in the United States.
0: Well, I was totally off on that. I just am going off of what I had (laughs) downloaded from Apple Music.
1: okay. those are my more recent and they're they're more where i feel like i am right now as an artist but now i'm in that kind of growing pain place where i've waited a few years and it's like mm, i definitely have to make a new project but i gotta make sure i'm ready i gotta make sure the songs are ready and so i'm very close because i've got an overabundance of songs i just have to pick the right ones and the right production mm-hmm.
0: for your three most recent albums the radiator bristol sessions fireworks and karate supplies and strange sunshine that was recorded in in England with John Parrish who has worked with Tracy Chapman and PJ Harvey which I think is so cool but <laughs> there's a bit yeah. of a story behind at least the most recent one you used a Kickstarter campaign for some yeah. of it and Tony yeah. Stewart paid for a large part of it is that true yeah
1: yeah he was probably my biggest contributor to-
0: my wait I'm and, gonna just clarify uh, sorry Tony Stewart the NASCAR okay. driver sorry I hadn't really <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: he's such a nice guy such a cool guy Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think of how it originally came about that I got to know him. My husband did um, photography, I think, photography or video for the Tony Stewart Foundation. And then I got to meet one of his people that he works with, this really cool lady named Joni. Then she had some ideas about us doing some stuff together. So we worked on uh, one of his foundations once. I gave some time, and we did a thing at his house, and his house was just amazing. It's like the biggest log cabin in the world. I mean, it's probably not in the world, but it was to me. It was (laughs) giant. And, um, oh, my gosh, we had like a 12-hour day. So we were around each other, you know, for a really long time this one day, and I... I had only ever seen Tony, you know, on TV and doing, um, you know, massive race cars for NASCAR and, you know, just, I mean, my gosh, brushes with death, uh, just, you know, volatile situations. I mean, race car driving is not so saint's part. So I didn't know what kind of person I was going to be around all day. I think I was a little bit nervous, but he was probably one of the nicest, most just big hearted guys that I have ever met. I've met a lot of really famous people and you know most are really just just normal regular people and some are not but he was he was just just kind and just had stamina and had all these you know there were a lot of animals around us the columbus zoo people were there he's friends with them so i got to be around a serval cat a you know columbus zoo is one of the best carers in conservation groups for animals i feel like in the world and you know over in ohio there's a Bunch of land they have for taking care of rescued animals who have been knocked out of their habitat by overbuilding and you know all progress, quote unquote progress. And and so I got to be around a, a penguin, you know, really like hang out with a penguin, a serval cat, a cheetah, two rescued. Cougar cub that were there had been a big fire, a big, big acres and acres and acres in uh, Colorado, and the mom had had to run off and leave these. So they were getting rehab. Got to see them, uh, a baby joey kangaroo from from Australia that was also a rescue. Like the cheetah, the cheetah cat herself had like her feet were kind of like turned under You know, these were animals that had they were were either going to die or get rescued, and. Anyway, it just felt good to be around them and this whole day with Tony and all these people was just one of my favorite days. It was really, really cool. I got to sit and I sang a song to him and we made a funny video and the whole thing was to raise money for one of his charities. He's really a great, generous guy when it comes to charities for animals and kids. So then he ended up being the big donator to Kickstarter campaign and my Kickstarter campaign was uh, what funded radiator and allowed me to take my part of my band over to pay for lodging over there I was there for maybe about a month had my guys there for about half that time and it was just I loved to work so I loved being there you know working and recording every day we recorded from 11 to 7 every day it was great
0: that is so cool (laughs) yeah it was it was cool So, I'd love to know as well, but what artist has influenced you the most and why? You've listed quite a few, and I really love that. I'm sure it's a whole bunch of them, but if you could pick one, who would it be?
1: Oh my gosh, just one. Or a top three. I
0: won't push you into one. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. So it will be, you know, Bonnie Lee, who also I've got to meet and who is very encouraging and wonderful. I would say, vocally, stylistically, man, I just used to sing along with her stuff until it was just everybody was sick of me. I mean, I just kind of studied her. She was kind of like school for me when I really started thinking, I'm going to write songs and I'm going to sing and this is what I'm going to do. So I would say Bonnie Raitt, Aretha Franklin, and Led Zeppelin, which is a kind of an odd combo, but I feel like I have a kind of bluesy soul thread in me. Three artists definitely have that in kind of your own interpretation of a song i like artists who and i don't i haven't mastered it by any means but approaching other people's songs i think sometimes it's easier for me but i feel like even after i put a record out i feel like i always end up evolving to a better point where i want to re-record the whole album because i have finally figured out how The song should be sung Like I might change The pocket of a vocal line And if I go back And listen to the record I'm like Why did I do it that way And it's because I was creating the blueprint for something and it's just what it was at the time. Like you lay it down and then at some point you have to walk away and go, that record is done and that is how it will exist. But it doesn't stop me from having that freedom to reinterpret my songs and and interpret other people's songs. Um, I think I got those lessons. I, I would say my school of hard knocks or just from just like choosing who your teachers are that's kind of what I did. It's like they were my teachers. Like sing with soul and passion, and put everything into every song, every time. Those would be my top three. That's a long answer, isn't
0: it? It's a solid three. <laughs> it requires a long answer. I mean, Aretha Franklin's in there. I mean, <laughs> my dad always says also that you can cover Led Zeppelin songs better than Led Zeppelin sings Led Zeppelin songs. <laughs>
1: A great compliment, and, and you know what? I really like that compliment. I, I do think that um, I feel lucky in that I do have a male fan base who would normally, because they've told me it's not because I'm assuming that, but I will get a lot of male fans and they'll say, I don't normally like girl singers, I think is normally how they say it. And I'm like, I just take it as a compliment. It's like, well, you know, and they're like, I like you. You know, like, I don't know why, but I like you. And so I um, feel like I I can definitely gather male fans and female fans with some of the styles that I love doing.
0: Mm -hmm. And with your, with crossing that sort of female male fan base, This is sort of a silly question, but I would love to know your answer. If you had the choice between covering a Led Zeppelin song in an Ariana Grande falsetto vocal run sort of style, or an Ariana Grande song in a Led Zeppelin style, which would it be and why? Oh
1: my god, I think they'd both actually be cool. That is a really great question nobody's ever me before. Even a similar question to that. Oh my gosh, that's really tough. I think both would be really a cool challenge. You know, I think of one of my favorite songwriters is Randy Newman and Three Dog Night covered a song of his called Mama Told Me Not to Come and they did it in a rock style and he's Really, a singer-songwriter guy, and it's sort of like, oh my gosh, I'm just kind of beating around the bush because I don't know which I would like to do. I would do both of them. I think that they'd both be. I I think the key is, if I can answer it this way, both would be the right thing to do because. When you do approach somebody else's song, you want to kind of throw your own bin into it someplace. So I do try to do that. Even if we get kind of close to an original version of something, I'll change melody lines here and there. I'll change keys. I'll change tempos. So changing your approach to something so people don't feel like you're competing with the original. Is that a good answer? Can I get away with that answer? Of course. You
0: can You can give me whatever answer you want.
1: It's a toss-up. That is just a toss-up. But it's such a good question.
0: And there's, they're very different. And I thought that's why it would be a bit of a challenge.
1: Man, I mean, really, I, I like, doesn't Ariana Grande do Dangerous Woman? Yes. Oh, see, I love that song. But I do like the way she does it. Usually, if I'm going to do a song, I, I might like the song and decide, because I have weird view of the world, I might be thinking, hmm, I'm going to do that one. People are going to like my version better. I think that artists approach songs like that. Like, I'm going to do this song because I think people are going to like what I do to this song, and they're going to be happily surprised, pleasantly surprised, as opposed to I'm going to try to do a Whitney Houston song like Whitney Houston because it's like such a big setup to fail for yourself. So the reasoning behind picking a cover song should be it just really touches you emotionally, but not that you're going to try to do it just like the artist. So... Now I'm going to try to do dang- now I'm going to try to do Dangerous Woman like Led Zeppelin, and then I'll try to do Dire Maker like Ariana Grande. Now you've given me a challenge. All right,
0: <laughs> uh, that would be really, really great and really interesting. <laughs>
1: we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: Oh my goodness, that would be really cool. The next question, I just would love to know, I think songwriting is really fascinating. And you know, some some people have tried and sometimes it's poems and, but what is it for you? What is your songwriting process?
1: Um, let's see, it used, it kind of the, the same as it was from the time I began. I began with uh, like a line here, a line there. I would have some line that I thought, oh, Nobody said this like that before. So I write notes. A lot of times I'm in my car. So I use my iPhone and just, you know, collect stuff on my voice recorder part. I'll do that a lot and then I have little pads of paper all over I have suitcases full of used and unused batches of lyrics. Sometimes it's just like a a chorus that is waiting for the story to be built around it or sometimes I'll have a whole thing all at once. I'll sit down with a guitar and basically have a melody in my head. I enjoy the different ways that I do it. Like sometimes I'll sit down with a guitar and it's like it just has, it tells me exactly what it's going to be. So a song will guide you and I think I've read enough about authors and writers that I think there's something we can't explain about that part. Like there's a story that wants to be written and I've heard authors talk about just taking their fingers to a typewriter or a pen to paper and just beginning without so much of a plot or they might think they have the plot and how they think it's going to end but the story starts to take them elsewhere. And I would say that is probably the case with my songs too. I might start out with a premise and by the time I start building around it oh, I can see something else taking shape. And so then I start scribbling out. Um, I've got a lot of different photos of my lyric sheets that I use when I'm actually singing the final, quote-unquote final, in the booth. Like I'm there. It's like you would think I would be done right then. You know, have picked out my melody, my chorus, my lyric, essentially the style that I'm going to sing in. And then suddenly something will change. And working with people who are willing to just let you make changes on the spot is so important, I think, for an artist. Like you don't want to be around people where you can feel them roll their eyes like, oh, I thought we were going to do it this way because you can just start. Because all of a sudden you're like, ooh, I'm going into a bridge right here. And, oh, my gosh, we're not transitioning into it right. You know, like we need something else. We need either an extra measure or just a beat or we need a different chord that's going to get us to this chord. Or now I feel like we should change this. So it's kind of like shifting sand. Even if I sit down, like I've got my book full of songs right now, I already know what's ahead of me. And that is it's going to change as I start to sing it and, and get with each person to do their part, you know, like what kind of guitar I want or what kind of keys I want. Do I want V three or do I want like a Whirlitzer or a rose? The whole thing just—you need to leave the door open or the window open so you can receive whatever the next gut feeling is about it. Until you finally have to call it a day, because you can truly keep working on stuff, you know, forever and ever. You can—I mean, there are stories, right, of people who've worked on albums for way too long. And so there is a point where you go, I I need to call this a piece of art now and walk away. I think that's why I've liked going to England, too. I've liked going there because I know I have only an allotted amount of time with John, the producer. And if you give me a year to work on something, I will take it. And I don't think that's healthy for me because I I don't want it to take over my life. I want it to be a fun part of my life and I want to leave things behind that I'm really proud of. And so, so far so good. I've been really proud of everything that I've done and just doing it and take on new angles and new ways of getting songs to, you know, be fresh for me, like the stuff I'm writing. So I'm always studying, you know, all the new people that come out, and like I said, going back to people I've never heard of, or revisiting things, and listening, or, you know, I might listen to, there's a great guitar sound on Britney Spears' Toxic, and it is an old surfer uh, guitar, like Dick Dale, or, you know, I think the Black Keys, and I think JD McPherson, those guys also use some real great sounds that you can hear on Rumble that old Link Ray uh album that um it's a, it's an old song by Link Ray and it is just cool and i don't know when it was written 50s or 60s it's still cool today like if you Google the song "Rumble" by Link Ray, you will go, "Oh yeah, that!" Like there's nothing cooler. It's just like you can't beat it. So trying to come up with something that's so cool, where you're like, "I'm throwing this in the ring, and people are gonna think it's cool." I think that's my aim. So as much as I love to sing like pretty things, I still like want to compete in the cool arena <laughs> and it, like make things that are like, "Yeah, I thought of that," or "I came up with that riff," or "I came up with you know this idea or this lyric," like kind of a neat and fun competition with everybody else out there doing it where you're just like oh yeah good for you that was a good
0: one that is really really cool to hear this is clearly what you're meant to do i think i mean with how passionate you are about Thanks. it but if you i don't know hadn't started your career in music what do you think you would be doing you think you would have used your degree or, or gone a different route
1: i probably would not have used my degree I, I probably would have i mean if i would have i feel like i'm very good at counseling i believe in um i've known a of people, you know, in this industry, you do tend to meet a lot of people who've had like substance abuse problems. So, I do believe I have a good counseling gene in me, and I'm grateful for any way that I've ever been able to be a good ear for somebody. But, I think that would be a hard hard career for somebody with my kind of sensitivity i'm like super sensitive and i think that kind of career can really really get to you but one of my big passions in this world is animals and animal right and i feel like that's Probably still something I want to do even more. I have my own little political things I believe in, but I, I wouldn't want to do a career in that either. But I do think that I wish there were more laws protecting animals from dogs and cats, just you know domestic animals, to you know the way animals can get treated, or just being. I mean, I belong to a lot of things that protect, you know, like the World Wildlife Fund or humane farming. I believe it says a lot about us the way we treat animals on this earth and I think we can do a lot better so I would I would probably try to come up with you know regulations and laws that make us be more accountable for the cruelty that you know we can put animals through and I would Absolutely put it into any kind of big game hunting. I just find it to be, I just don't think that killing animals should be a sport. And that is something that I would, I'll probably get more involved in later on. Just, you know, slowly but surely. It's like easy and it makes sense to me. So having something that you feel like that about, like I feel as passionate, as passionately about animals and animal treatment as I do about making music. So maybe somehow my music can I, I did give a song to the Pet Pal TV. I gave it to them years ago. So they use it in the opening of their show. And I have never even charged them a dime for that because... And it's called Get a Little Love. You know the Patty Spittler show, Pet Pals?
0: I'm not sure what it is, but I'm sure others do.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's national now. So they just use my little song for the opening. And it's just an animal show, little animal show.
0: I think that that's really amazing. On the topic of your current career now, you are with a lot of other artists. I'm sure it's some more well-known and some may not be is there anyone up and coming in the area or in general that you would love to shout out or talk about their music a little bit
1: gosh we have so much talent in in Indianapolis and beyond I have a nephew who makes music too he's so good his name's Corey Hill and then my friend Rebecca Meldrum and then a guy named Brandon White he is he's just fantastic his voice at times reminds me of the guy from Kaleo let's see Keller Cole is like this duo Landon Keller and Kara Cole they have a, a group of the two of them they go out separately as well let's see Kenny and Val Felt uh Sean Baker's around here he's one of, oh great piano player Nina Kehoe Charlie Valentine there are a lot of really good artists. You know, and not all of them are, like, new. Like, some of them are just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you can't wait to go see them. They're they're just so good at what they do. Like, Paul Holzman, fantastic guitar player, Ted Robinson, fantastic blues singer, Gordon Bonham. Gosh, there's just so much good music and so many good, artists and musicians, young and old. So I kind of feel like they're, maybe some of them are more up and coming, but some of them are just like, maybe not super famous, but man, you know, some of the best talent is when somebody's just really seasoned and, you know, like, like you said, you like Billie Holiday. You know, it took her just—it was her—it was her lifetime that we hear. Like when she sings. it's that lifetime of weariness in her voice that makes her recording so haunting. I think, you know, so those people who've been at it, I think, for forever, and they've just gone, you know, that route where they're like, "Well, oh, this is all that I do, and this is all that I know how to do. It's all I can do because it's all that they can think of." And those are the best people.
0: I was looking at your website, and you had had some gigs scheduled there's one at firehouse follies and another one at cornerstone center for the arts well they were postponed not canceled i should say but i'm sure that that's really hard to do and to not be able to perform for people and to also maybe not stay connected to your fans how are you doing with that
1: well that's a great question and it is very unprecedented because we've never really had a situation like this so for one thing i got to do a facetime live you know like a week ago and Even though there were so many people watching, it was a little different because the one thing that happens when you're putting on a show, the one thing you look forward to is the energy from the audience. That's just, I mean, that's the tangible thing I think every artist needs. That's why they're on a stage. It's like you love giving something out because you're going to get something back. And the thing that you're going to get back is the obvious sounds of the crowd and the visual that there's a crowd there, and it affects you. So this is definitely um, different, and you have to imagine that they're there, and you, you have to just do what you were gonna do. Do some, you know, put out a song here and there on Facebook, uh, send emails out to your people, try to connect with different artists. I did do something. The only thing that we did with actually physically being around other artists. I did do something that we were all really careful. Like, if you weren't going to sing, you had to wait outside. And that was with the Owl Music Group. So we did a little recording there. The whole crew had their face masks on. I brought my own microphone. So it was neat to see people, but we were all kind of like, ah, should we be doing this? You know, should we? But everybody's really good. Staying far apart. And then, Nobody was allowed to hang around, so everybody's pretty careful. Um, So we're doing that that kind of stuff. I'm going to do another Facetime live for people, and just hope that there's sooner than later a way to be in front of people again. But if not, you know, it's definitely affecting our income. You know, we're like anybody. You know, my my husband and I both work, so my income is as important as his. So it is definitely a challenge, and uh, we just got to know. You know, a lot of people are experiencing a lot. Worse things than we are. The health of people is, of course, more important than everybody's income, but you know, income or lack of income for people can really stress them out. So, I just think it, you know, people need to work harder at staying in a good mood, work harder at staying connected, and for all the artists, we're going to be being creative. Um, the last thing I did, we'll put out on Thursday. And that was uh, the John Prine song, Angel from Montgomery, my keyboard player, played piano and videotaped himself, sent that to us. And then my husband videotaped me singing to it in my dining room. And I had Greg uh, plugged in so I could hear him in my ear. So I sang to that. And then my husband does videos. So he just made a little nice tribute, talked about John Prine at the beginning. And um, so we, we're going to put that one out for people on Thursday. And then I've got another one that to John on Hyatt phone calls, have a little faith in me, so I'll work on that and, you know, just keep doing what I do and, and put music out there so people can enjoy
0: it. And you started to answer this next question a little bit. You're still singing and performing over Facebook Live and like things like that, but what have you been doing lately, maybe aside from music, that has been making you happy and keeping you busy and distracted in quarantine? Oh,
1: man. Well, practicing guitar. So everything I do is kind of Around music, but I do still do voiceovers. So the way I've been able to do that is still whether it's an audition or whether I'm already called to do a a voiceover session. It is like I'll go to the studio, one of the studios downtown, and really not see anybody. I'll just go into the booth, and then I'll see them on the screen and not touch anything. You know, everybody's keeping really good about their distances and everything. But for fun. See, I mean, I love my work, so I'm like work every day with the stuff that I do, and that is my fun too, social pretty lucky about that. On top of that, I guess doing a lot of phone calling with people and just checking on friends. And uh, my husband and I are taking a lot of walks when it was a little bit warmer, some bike rides. And then if we see neighbors, you know, we'll stop and talk, but we all keep our distance. You know, we're just really, I think we have a really cool neighborhood too. Like everybody kind of checks in on everybody also. And talking to my mom and dad a lot, I feel like I'm grounding my parents. It's like trying to keep your parents in, It's like, I'm like, do you remember when you used to ground me? That's what's happening. You guys are not allowed to go out. It's funny. I just think everybody kind of, I mean, I'm worried about my parents more than ourselves at this point. I just want everybody to be smart so that they they don't get this by accident.
0: I totally agree. This is the last (laughs) question that we have for today. I make up a lot of words in my daily life. And I know that I ask everyone this question on this show. It's sort of our signature question. If you could make up a word for how you feel when you, are, I guess, are playing music, what would it be and why?
1: Oh, gosh. Like, when I'm playing? Oh, my God. I don't know. I, I have made up words as well. I will say a lot of times, karmatically speaking, like, karma is, like, a big thing in life. You know, it's funny. It's sort of uh, just like the karma that you put out is so important. This is like the energy that you put out is is so important. I say ridiculosity a lot, but I say karmatically speaking or karmatica like the karmatica here is fantastic i, I don't know i do make up words, and, and it i they don't necessarily stick with me but i tend to take the karma word and stick it in to a lot of things so kind of keep everybody grounded and like the reason we're here is we're giving out something fantastical or whatever so i don't have like a Specific, but that is one word that I'll change and morph into different words, uh, different versions of the word karma (laughs) for uh, just trying to make sure you people stay in line while we're doing what we're doing. That is
0: so much what
1: fun. What are some of your words? Tell
0: me what your favorite native word is. Oh, gosh. You know, like you, specifics are a bit tough on this one. <laughs> the passwords that we've had on the show, I'm sure, I think you said you listened to the first episode. We had Splendacious, which I think is a pretty fun one. That's a
1: good
0: one. John Crane said Splendid, and this past week's episode is Deck. We we interviewed Kip Janvrin, and he was a decathlete in... Uh, a multiple Olympic trials And holds a lot of world wow. records And made it to the 2000 Olympics And his was DEC And it was an acronym for Dedicated and durable easygoing And uh, I think the C was competitive I might be wrong But his was a whole acronym That he had planned ahead on And I really admired that
1: Nice, I like that
0: Yeah, but I hadn't Taken the time to write down any They're usually combinations of words That actually do exist Kind of like karma Or car- karmatically speaking dramatically
1: yeah oh, fab- so <laughs> fabulousity is mm-hmm. fabulosity one that people use already
0: I've never heard that one before
1: Okay well that can be the word then Okay fabulousity fabulous yeah okay fabulous like it's fabulous but yeah I like combos of two words and that makes sense and I think my husband and I make up a lot of funny song, usually in the morning, that we will never remember again, and they're always like, gosh, we should have recorded that, because you know it was brilliant, like, you know (laughs) we're missing our, we should just be like a sketch comedy team, but we think we're so funny in the morning, and we might not be, we might not be funny at all, but we think we are, so that's good, that's all that really counts.
0: Right, that's all that matters is if you're entertaining yourself.
1: I definitely make up um, dog breed names. Because all my dogs are rescues, so they all have different mixes in them. Like I have a Schnauzer, Chow Chow. So I've called her a Chowser before. (laughs) And then I have a dachshund Scotty mix. And so I've called him a Dottie or a Scotson. And then another dog that we have is like very unusual looking. But we were told that she was a Beagle Schnauzer. And she looks to me, I'll just call her Squatch. Like a Sasquatch. (laughs) Just she's just a squatch. And sometimes she smells just like a squatch. So those are my um contribution to Webster. <laughs> the Webster's Dictionary.
0: <laughs> they can write you a thank you note later.
1: That's right. I'll be waiting for that.
0: <laughs> yes, I'd have to say, you were talking about that. I I don't know. Th- these are more phrases than words. I say super de duperly a lot, which I know is sort of a common <laughs> thing, but it's duperdy. not real.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's and one, good, of my, you, one of my. Thank you. One of my best friends also says, like, diddly darn all the time. Diddly
1: darn. So oh, we I always get. say all
0: the diddly darn day long, and that's one.
1: Cute. i love those thanks. and they're happy yeah right. they're happy i have a curse word that i might like to say but we won't we won't go there because we're ending on a happy place
0: exactly exactly all right well thank you so much for letting me call you
1: oh my gosh you were completely uh, joyful to talk to so thanks for listening to my extra extracular long answers to everything
0: is extracular a word
1: i made it up just now
0: <laughs> well it's perfect okay <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to use it sometime all right okay. thank you so much right. you have a great day thank
1: you thank you lady i cannot wait to hear
0: this thank you so okay. much again
1: bye thank you all right goodbye
0: it was so so fun to talk to somebody else who loves to talk about music as always the next segment is the bible verse of the week the bible verse of this week is a little bit different from usual it's Exodus thirty five thirty five, and it is, he has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers, in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. And this isn't really a command, but it was something very cool that I discovered earlier this week. I was working on a project and I just thought, I wonder if there's any Bible verses about art or fine art or creating physical artwork because I'm an industrial design major. So I feel like that would have just been something really cool to find so of course I turned to Google and first one to come up was Exodus 35 35, which is what that verse just was. I just think that it's very, very cool how the Bible can be very specific in what it calls out and that God gives us our talents to glorify him with and that we're blessed to have talents in the first place, whether it's being able to design and embroider and engrave or to sing or to speak eloquently. But this was just something very cool that I discovered this week. If you guys have an activity that you really love to do and you want to Google Bible, verses about it, I highly recommend it because now every time I think of starting a project or doing an activity I think of Exodus thirty five thirty five. And it's only fitting to make the song slash artist slash music of the week jenny devoe so please please go give her a listen i grew up like i said going to some of her concerts and i just remember liking her music then my parents liked her music then and just rediscovered her recently when i asked if she would allow me to interview her it is so good and as we found out she has 12 different albums to choose from so there is no shortage of opera but again go check her out she is so so good well would you look at the time Looks like it's the end of another episode of the Laney train home away from home. (laughs) Thank you so much again for listening. I hope that you guys have a great week. You'll hear from me next Saturday, Monday, May 4th, is when things will start to be opening up here in Indy. So I hope that you guys are getting out. I hope that you're being smart, but I hope that you're having fun because we've stayed inside this whole time and you deserve it. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. And we're going to beat the Rona.